Star Wars meets Platoon. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story like you've never heard before. At 17, Solomon Kwai joins the Imperial Army, becoming part of the Galactic War Machine. But will he survive? Get down! Lead the way and list today. Fearless Fred presents Mud 79, a fan-made Star Wars story. Available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Capes and Tights podcast right here on capesandtights.com. I'm your host, Justin Soderberg. This episode, we welcome the return of David M. Boer and the first-time guest, Chris Sheehan, to the podcast to talk their book, Specs, over at Boom Studios. The four-issue miniseries hits trade paperback today when this episode drops August 16th at local comic book stores or August 22nd at bookstores everywhere. But David is known for books like Canto, Dungeons and Dragons, Killer Queens and Killer Queens 2, All New Firefly, Specs, and the Eisner-nominated Rain. Uh, also, Killer Queens' eyes are nominated as well. But uh, Chris Sheehan is known for House of Slaughter, the autonomous with our friend David, Daniel Krauss, Specs as well, Prometheus. She said Destroy was a cover on there, as well as Nightfall Double Feature. So check out this episode of the Capes and Tights podcast. But before you do, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff, and subscribe, rate, review on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave five stars, and please tell your friends, family, and everybody at capesandtights.com. This is David M. Boer and Christian of Specs, the trade paperback dropping August 16th at local comic book shops everywhere from Boom Studios. Enjoy, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. How are you two doing? Good. Great. Awesome. Awesome. It's always interesting. Uh, I, I thought about it after I said that, how are you two doing that when there's multiple guests on there, a lot of, there's always like this dead silence after people like, how are you? And you're like, uh, who's going to go? Who's going to talk? <laughs> we're, we're, we're perfectly in sync. So yeah. we know actually we know it's, a, it's a great, yeah, it's a great pleasure to be, uh, to do this podcast because, uh, Chris and I rarely get to be in the same room together, virtual or otherwise. So mm -hmm. it's it is a it is it is great to to be able to come together for a show like this. Yeah. Well, th thanks for being here. We were, we we appreciate you having here. I always always talk in the plural too. The we uh, there's it's me. <laughs> there's not a group of it's no <laughs> there's no producer here doing stuff. It's me. So we <laughs> is a group of people. Old. I mean, I make my yeah, you're, I make myself look bigger by saying we. <laughs> your two year old son is in the back off screen with the boom mic. Mike. <laughs> He's got the uh flashcards. He's got the cards. You know the note cards saying cards. What, to, what to talk yeah. about next. Yeah, the cue cards. But uh, the, the uh, crew here in the studio. <laughs> I just like talk to fake people. Hey, yeah, well, there's <laughs> like a. a a venti Starbucks coffee that's the size of his head. I'm like, I'll take a, I'll, yeah. Uh, hey, Jim, I'll take a coffee when you go for a run. We have an assistant too. There's a little jazz band over there that plays the outro. <laughs> Your son is awesome. He does so he much. everything. He does everything. He has no idea. I talked about the idea about doing a podcast with him when I get old, when he gets older to do like, reviewing movies with him but like from like a perspective of like a seven-year-old and then as he gets older like do movies and see how his reviews potentially maybe he'll become a professional movie critic by doing that. <laughs> i want to hear seven-year-old's take on like um <laughs> like inception yes yeah <laughs> the movie theater had great popcorn <laughs> that that's what the review would be <laughs> christopher christopher nolan by way of seven-year-old kid Yes. <laughs> uh, but we're not here to talk about my son either. My son is great, but we're not here to talk about him. We're here to talk about <laughs> comics and specs and uh, the great world of the, the world, world we love the most right now is, is the world of comics. Um, obviously, David, you've been on before. And so if anybody, this is my little ploy to get someone to go listen to another episode. If you want to learn more, more about David's personal story of how he came into comic books, go listen to that episode. But Chris has not been on before. So let's do a little bit of a slight, quick origin story, Chris, on how you got into the world of comic books. Okay. Uh, I I didn't grow up reading comics. Um, a lot of people did, and I feel like that's a little bit different. Um, but I grew up loving movies and books and, and um, animation. And... Um, all of that made me want to be a storyteller. 
and uh, it, it wasn't after a lot of like exploration when I was older, like like 17 to 19, I was experimenting with filmmaking and animation and all of these different ways. Like I was creative writing. I was doing everything I could think of. And, um, and for some reason, comics didn't quite hit me until I started discovering artists that I really liked. Um, and they, and it turned out they were comic artists. So I was like, Oh, comics, comics aren't what I, maybe what I thought they were. So I, I, uh, in college, um, I took a, one of my basics classes was literature, but they let you pick. And so there was like a Western literature and like folklore, but one of the literature classes that was comic books, graphic novels. And I was like, oh, this will be easy. <laughs> it's just, I thought it'd be fun and easy. And then, um, but they introduced us to a lot of like really great books just to kind of show us what comic books have the ability to be. And one of them was Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. And that's like, like my Bible. <laughs> um, and then there was, you know, stuff like Watchmen and, and um, uh, Identity Crisis and like some just real like uh, narrative heavy comic books. Um, and it kind of like opened my, my mind. And I saw so from then I really wanted to make comics because I wanted to tell stories anyway. And I was already getting into drawing. And um, so I, uh, I went to my first Comic Con when I was 19 and i made a portfolio and I brought it and it was terrible and I, I was very severely rejected, <laughs> but um, I did have some artist alley artists giving me some great feedback. And so my goal was take all the feedback of everything I got, write it all down and then work on those specific things for a year and then come back to Comic-Con with a new portfolio. So I did at 20, I went back to San Diego Comic-Con with a new portfolio. It still wasn't good, but it was better. And they, I noticed that they gave me less feedback, less things to work on, less criticism. Mm -hmm. um, and so I just kept doing that. Um, and I started uh, making my own comics uh, for fun and putting them on the internet. And then that, that led me to getting my first paid comic book work. I drew one issue of a uh, historical Western comic that um, you can buy in like a local uh, museum now um, in my hometown. And it was about like a, a 1800s cowboy guy that like an 1800s marshal and um it, the pay, you know, it was, I wasn't paid a lot, but it was my first published comic book. It was my first paid work and I was really exciting. And I think I was 21 at that point. So I just kept going and um, I started working with writers on, on Kickstarter projects. So like some of my first works are um, a book called Prometheus I did with Ryan Little, who's a writer on um, I Am Groot and uh, Marvel's What If on, on Disney+. Plus. And, uh, and I, uh, from there, um, I started reading a lot of comics too. And a lot of the comics I was reading were by companies like Vault and Boom and IDW. I really liked the, I really liked stuff that was kind of outside of superhero, big two stuff. And um, I, it was fan art. I did fan art of a, of an upcoming vault book, which led me to, they, they published the fan art as a cover. And that was for uh, She Said Destroy. Um, and from there I started doing covers and then they reached out to me to do a book and that was the autumnal. And I've been in um, sort of mainstream comics since then. So it's been kind of a 10 year, 10 plus year journey for me. That's awesome. Yeah, exactly. The best thing about that story is the the teaching moment of just work hard and listen to people. Don't don't get don't take rejection and just be like, okay, I can't do this anymore. But like you worked, you yeah. got the rejection and you worked with that. And then now you're obviously working with creative people like David and you know, you know, yeah. other people like that. <laughs> and, and so I no didn't such... Yeah. Hmm? What were we gonna say, Chris? Oh, I was gonna say there's no such thing as like this isn't for me. Like yeah. You, you're always going to suck at something when you start. 
So I, um, I've always known that. And I just kept going. Like I, I, I was new to drawing and I was new to comics and I just, I wanted to do it. So I just kept going and um, not being good at it. Doesn't mean it's not for you or that it's not meant to be you. It's a skill, anything you can learn, anything that you want to learn. And I just, I chose this. So I kind of just dove all in and spent years making it work. I'm still I, learning. I just can't, I can't, I can't, it's uncanny to me how similar our origin stories are because yeah. I, I didn't grow up reading comics either. And I started about 15 years ago writing and mm -hmm. the first things I wrote were just terrible, but then <laughs> I kept at it. And each thing was a little bit less terrible than the last mm -hmm. thing until it got to the point where it actually started to be started to be better and good. And it was about probably just going to San Diego Comic-Con is what got me into comics and writing comics. And it's probably been a little, a little over 10 years, maybe 12 years that I've been doing this to have our paths converge into <laughs> specs, believe, yeah. believe it or not, which is wild. That's wild. Yeah, well, I mean, they probably crossed paths before. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, probably. Well, you know, there's so little number of people that go to San Diego Comic-Con. You guys, I'm surprised, yeah. you, surprised you guys didn't run into each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we might have met at some point along the way, but I was, I, we probably, neither one of us was probably in the place to collaborate on something oh, to, no, we <laughs> at the level, at the level yes. that we wanted to operate yeah. at, which, well, know, How did that come about? How did Specs, how did the collaboration between the two of you come about with Specs? I think it was House of Slaughter, right? Yeah. You were working I, I on House wor of Slaughter. I was working on that and um yeah, it, it, it's in it's in a lot of the same vein as spec. So David already had the story and um reached out to me with it and I was doing something that was kind of had that vibe in a way, you know, a character story about youth and queerness and mm -hmm. um so I was just like, Oh yeah, it's perfect. Um, but I feel like you actually reached out to me when I was barely starting House of Slaughter because I know it feel I felt like it was like a year in the making before I even started drawing Specs. Oh yeah, so Specs had had this interesting life, and it, it's at the end of it, it's just a lesson in um, believing in what you believing in your work and believing mm -hmm. in your story and not letting anybody get in the way because it originally the Specs the story concept originally started out as a single. Uh, it's like a short in that was going to be in an anthology and uh i think it was like 20 page 20 pages so it was kind of a long short it's like a one shot basically and it was far less um it was more of coming of age and less horror sort of spooky eerie mm -hmm. uh and something happens chris i think you were still Maybe, maybe it wasn't you, maybe it was a different artist, but something happened with that anthology and I had to pull the story out and that was the right thing to do. And then it got set up with a publisher that it was going to be three issues. And Chris, I think that was the point when you got it, when, when we collaborated on it, because I mm -hmm. thought you would be the a fantastic fit for this. And then something happened there and we pulled that out of there for um, good reasons that we won't get into, but um it was, we believed in the story and we believed that it was not, that was the not right, the right fit and we didn't have a place for it. Yeah, I was, I was committed I, to doing it, however, so I was just waiting till it was done. And Chris, and Chris was working with Boom on House of Slaughter. I was working with Boom on All New Firefly. Mm. And so we, they're, they're familiar with us separately. So we said, well, how about you getting to know us together? And we pitched specs and it became, it sort of evolved into this four issue supernatural horror series with the queer character driven, like core and heart to it that we eventually published. Mm -hmm. So it was just believing in the story and pushing it as far forward as we could get until we got it on that, you know, on paper out in the world. You, you mentioned four issues and I talked to you this prior to, to recording too about my only complaint is the fact that it is only four issues. I want more. I wish there was more. I guess that's the thing to say that any, any comic book that someone is a fan of, we all want more of it. But like, it's one of those things that's, it's so hard to like put a finger on it nowadays. It's like, there's no real hard, fast rule of miniseries. Like it could, literally, I think uh, Colin Bunn just put out a three issue miniseries uh you know i think it might have been over a uh, vault but it was uh it was a double size issue so it was more of a six issue so but like it's like doesn't make any sense anymore it could be three it could be five it could be six it could be four 
How did it end up with four issues at Boom? Uh, economics. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> you know, the tale of single issue comics is it's it's I like to say it's a parabola curve, mm -hmm. but a parabolic curve. But in reality, it's kind of like issue one and then oftentimes it's like a cliff. So you do four issues and you stand a better chance of sustaining sales through four as opposed to five and then six. Mm -hmm. Six is like, it's so hard to get a six issue series <laughs> out there because the tale is so short on single issues. So, um, but we, four issues was fine for us because it made us tell a story. I, I don't know if you feel this way, Chris, but it made, a, it made me tell a story that was, there nothing nothing could be wasted. It had to be so tight, the storytelling that you could you didn't have time to to go off and do other things. You just had to have that tight story being told in those in that uh, limited space, which I think yeah. we did. Yeah, yeah, it worked out. I I uh, I liked how I I I feel like five issues would have been perfect <laughs> at least, but but. That's just me wanting more time with them, the characters. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I always have these conversations with people about four issues versus five issues and so on and so forth. I believe the artist is typically the one that always wants the fifth issue. <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. It's one of those things that, yeah, you maybe get, you get, you know, you're, you're involved with these characters and you're actually physically drawing lines with these characters that maybe you just want to continue doing it. Uh, and this is not me saying that well, four issues wasn't enough. It definitely was paced out well, and it was told. The whole story was told. I just think it's one of those things that, like, if I can, get, there's certain books that keep on going on and on and on that I'm like lukewarm on, and then there's mm -hmm. books that are like really good and I really like, and they're four issue miniseries, mini and I'm like, oh my god, I want this more. <laughs> yeah. Well, and there's a, you know, with more space too, there's chances to let let the art breathe and the story yeah. breathe a little bit, so we can do more full pages to to make like the emotional impact and. And do some cool things, like spreads and that sort of thing that normally with four issues, you just got to be so economical. So, yeah, five issues would have been great, but also it forced me as, as you know, laying out the story to be like, this. we need to get four issues, five issue series that would have looked different. It would have been paced differently than a four issue series. So. Uh, it was it was a fun challenge and I'm glad we uh, got to the got to the end with it. And I certainly hope that there is more four or five, six ongoing, I don't know, in this world, because I want to, I want to do more. Mm -hmm. And it's not like, you know, obviously not spoiling, like, spoiling anything, but like the end of the comic book does not, it's not a definitive ending. So you don't have to worry about it. It could go further. It could have offshoots. It could have, you know, the glasses from came from the, the glasses aren't this only time. So you could have different places in, 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 in times where this, for this comic book for sure. Mm. Uh, this one takes place in 1987 from the majority of it. Is that, was there a reasoning why it was take place in the 80s? Because I love the 80s. <laughs> the, I mean, true, I grew but... up, these, the, um, Kenny and Ted are a little bit older than I was in 1987. I was eight in 1987. Um, but I was an 80s kid. So I definitely wanted to set it back then, but also it served a very important story purpose, which is you got two kids who are outsiders in a small town in 1987, where it, it's the, the, I'd like to say we're now enlightened, but we are, <laughs> it's, yes. has some stuff to say about this, but um, we, we are, we're still struggling with these same issues, but it was very different in 1987 without social media, without the connection around the, you know, that kids have nowadays. So to be 17 mm -hmm. in 1987 and, and in the closet or the only black kid in your small white town, it's just, it's a different struggle. And that's what the glasses are. You know, that's, that's what happened. The glasses came in and they magnified the problems that these kids have and, and, and then they had to deal with it. So it was personal and story driven to set it back then. Yeah, I think that and then like uh, just in general, any sort of like um, mystery uh, or horror story tends to work better in an era before cell phones and the internet mm. um, because it's it allows the characters to go places, to go to the library and use a pay phone and go yeah. to the, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. that. 
I like the it allows me to visually give you something more interesting. Mm-hmm. The payphone. That is that's yes. where my brain ex- went exactly. You got mm-hmm. to draw a phone booth. Yeah. That was well, fun. I, I always talk to Nobody... people about like TV shows like Seinfeld or X Files, where like half those shows wouldn't ex- like the show the seasons would have been three three seasons long because half the problems they dealt with was the fact that there wasn't a technology to like going to the wrong movie theater because you couldn't get a hold of something because they didn't have a cell phone or or yeah. like X Files like traveling halfway across the world to figure out something they could have just looked up the internet or called mm. someone or texted <laughs> someone and figured that stuff out and and putting ourselves back in a situation where there was less social media internet stuff like that it just adds to the story plus I mean the the the, the coupon or the page in the comic to get the gamma ray spe- you know the magic specs you had to you would have had to mail it out technically obviously you know things are the way they are in the comic book but like the idea wasn't like you went to a website and typed in a coupon code and, yeah. and something got mailed to you like you physically would have had to cut something out or look at something or so on and so forth uh, mm. in that um speaking of the specs obviously the word specs is the name of the comic book but like was there many iterations of what the specs would look like prior to like what you guys landed on I, was I don't Chris think so. I started drawing um, just, I started drawing my own glasses because I just thought that would be easier. <laughs> and then I got a note that they should be more along the lines of those, like those Ray-Ban style, mm-hmm. like um, boxier lenses. So I actually bought some online um, so that you I could, could, yeah, so that I could uh, wear them and take pictures of them and light them the way that I do so that I can use them throughout the book as a reference. I still think those should yeah. be like regularly available, David. Like, like I don't like, so I wanted to do this entire episode thing I those on. I, I forget, are we doing audio or video? It, it's both. Is it both? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I'm holding up the uh, a backer card with actual pair of specs <laughs> that I was able to source that looks almost exactly like the red magic mm-hmm. specs that Chris yeah. had designed. Yeah. Um, and then the background's art on it is the advertisement. It's a, yeah. Chris actually designed this background card too. So that's uh, a, yeah, to, that's a photo of the glasses I bought. I I uh, is it really photoshopped it? Yeah. And then that's a picture of my mom from the seventies that I <laughs> that I put I put the glasses on her and I painted I, I painted her. So that it would look like an old advertising illustration. That is that absolutely is wonderful. Just, that is wonderful. I didn't oh, know God. that. That's, that's amazing. So bad. But yeah, so I, I don't know if I had envisioned the red glasses, but yeah. I, I think it, it it's just always been in my mind that they were these red glasses that yeah. um, you know, because it I the x-ray specs you know mm-hmm. the traditional x-ray specs have like the s- spirals in the lenses mm-hmm. so i want it to be something a little bit different than that but obviously very reminiscent of those 1960s novelty advertisements in the back of comic books and i actually have a, a book um that i think chris i might have even sent you photos of what's inside it was a, a artist i forget the name but like a graphic designer who created an entire book full of um, imaginary ads for for novelties from the back of old comic books. That's cool. They don't exist. They they don't, I don't want to walk off screen, but I think it's like right over here. Uh, But they don't exist. These products don't exist, but it's just, he has such a um, clear sense of what this design aesthetic is. Mm. So it's just page after page of the coolest things that never were. And that's exactly the vibe that I wanted. And that's exactly the vibe that Chris ended up doing. Yeah, with these I, made magic some, specs. I made some ads, some different ads that you can see um, throughout the book, but I, I made them full page so that I think they might publish them in the in the trade as, as full page ads. I hope so. But I, did I, hope send so. Them, I sent them the files. But yeah, they I did these like painted illustrations like you'd see in a Glamour um, magazine ad and then the the more comic book one with the gamma ray. Um, I did all of that separately so that I could just insert it into the page. Cause I, I was getting really into like painting these ads that looked like just that old style of illustration. That was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. And that's honestly, that's the nature of the glasses is that they've existed and they will continue to exist and they just pop up in different eras. So whether it's the back of a teeny bopper magazine from the forties or fifties or, 
you know, the, the back hologram. of the Silver Age comic book. Yeah, or if it comes up on your your for the website formerly known as Twitter, um, in in somebody's post, you know, it's mm-hmm. or, or like a pop up ad. I could see that in the future, where these glasses come up and they're like on your social media. It's targeted advertising, that it's just for one person. Um, but that's the whole nature of it. And I think Chris, you just took that idea and just took off with it. I loved it. Well, I can yeah, picture. Was, was do you remember on um on a uh, Wandavision? They did those fake advertisements in the actual show. They're yeah. like these, like play on like these. Obviously, but I would like that can picture that happening too. Like if this is like a t- television show or a movie, like all of a sudden you just at the end of the like before you go to commercial break ish, you just play this ad for for these for these magic specs, but it's like a vintage looking ad, but it's really obviously fake and made mm-hmm. for the movie, yeah. a TV show. It'd be cool. Yeah, I mean, then there's more even opportunities beyond just advertising, you know, the glasses targeting you with advertising, because I think the nature, their their nature is that they are going to hit you in a place where you're the most vulnerable so that you will automatically be attracted to them. Mm -hmm. So it could be the back of a comic book or it could be sitting in a box on the side of the road when you get a flat tire, because that's what you need right now. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm. And, and I said, like, I don't want to spoil too much in the comic book at all, or because I want people to read the trade when it drops. But like, the find the, the creepiness of like, and the also the part of like, comic or the, the the stuff that happens in comics sometimes you just have to write off and go, okay, that's the way it is. Is kind of how I took the beginning of how they got the actual specs. Like, <laughs> you look at this ad and then you get them. And to me, but obviously that's part of the supernatural part of the whole uh, story, not the fact that like you're trying to explain away comic book sometimes you just explain away you say something you're like you just have to believe it because it's a comic book let's move on <laughs> mm. this is actually more of a supernatural aspect of it but still i had that aspect of like it's part of a comic book so you just have to believe that this is the way it happens and you move on from it <laughs> well i think and i i at least my intention behind the glasses showing up was the idea that the glasses had already like yeah. sunk its hands into kenny and ted the second that they opened their comic book so they didn't have to do anything more. The specs were going to come to them. So rather than it being an unexplained type of thing, it's unexplained in the sense of um, of it's eerie. Not unexplained in the sense of there's a gap there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and it was very intentional on our part was to to leave that open and have them just show up. And of course, these two 17-year-old guys are like, they never once asked the question, why did these just show up at our doorstep? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're teenagers. Yes, we're just going to roll no. with it. This is fine. Secret <laughs> wishes. Who cares how we got them? I also appreciate when you read a comic book. Obviously, this book came out in very similar timing to um, A Billion Genies, which also had wishes and things like that in it. Completely different comic book. Like, completely different comic book. But the idea that you, you, you two left this at a spot where it wasn't all about the wishes. Like it was think about like, that's what that comic book is all about is the, everybody's wishing. There's all these wishes going on that your book is more, there's a few wishes that happen here and there. But the idea that the wishes you don't make are probably actually more impactful or crazy than the wishes that you do make. And that's, what's so cool about this. this thing, you didn't go fuck wild crazy. There isn't like this. I wish my school was bubble gum. It, it's like, there's small wishes that, that, that make sense. And, and, and you know, move the story forward but don't take away from the story mm. i mean it's not it, we i i personally did not set out to tell a story about wishes mm. i'd set out to tell a story about kenny and ted mm. and the fact that this is the that's the the wish granting glasses is sort of the engine that tells that story mm-hmm. it's the framing of it i think was really cool and really interesting and it's such to me, it's so poetic that it came out around the same time as Eight Billion Genies because literally, that's everybody gets a gets a genie that grants yeah. you a wish, and so it's about eight billion wishes. Yeah, and then our, ours is literally about one wish that they yeah. don't ever make. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think it's just sometimes the universe syncs up 
and yeah. it's it's wild to watch that. It's great. It's crazy in that sense. But again, if anybody did, it, they're literally the only cross thread between the two of them is that they both people make wishes or don't wish. wishes are talked about in both of the book. That's about the only connection between <laughs> the two books. <laughs> but you know, it is what it is. And uh, yeah, and the, the horror aspect of it, you mentioned that too. That's awesome. The artwork is perfect for it. I do believe you guys are a perfect team for this book uh, uh roman stevens coloring is amazing too the mm-hmm. whole team over and, and i do i've always appreciated for years now that the the creative other creative team it's over at boom and the people that actually help you make these books a success as well is a great thing over there too I, i'm guessing you guys are both very ecstatic that it came out over at boom yeah, yeah. i i think boom is doing a lot of great stuff lately and i'm i'm honored that they gave our smaller less epic thing a chance to mm. to to breathe and exist among all of the big stuff that they're doing yeah and i think it's the tonal the tone of it fits really nicely with a lot of the things that do, they're doing mm. they came out around the same time like eat the rich and um mm. grim and some mm. of these other other series that they're doing uh so i think it definitely fits within the catalog mm. it's kind of the the <laughs> the book that could so uh, anybody who's listening if you uh give it a shot uh go pre-order it right now we're still i think this will come out right well come out the day that, potentially it, it comes out probably the day that the actual app, the book is available so you can just go to the store and get it but just buy it just buy, buy it. it i would think that this is one of the, well one of the benefits i've had and i i work i i'm friends with my local comic book shop owner uh paul eaton over at galactic comics is that the fact that boom the name boomed to them now is very just like take a chance on a trade even like even if he's not going to order in stock of 10 or 15 trades to put in a small shop in Bangor, Maine it's like the name boom just goes you know what this this is going to sell period so let's just buy a couple and we'll put it on the shelf we don't have a problem trades are doing very well now on the market and stuff like that so Mm -hmm. it's one of those things but like the benefit a lot of times he uses me now because I talk to a lot of you you people like ahead of time and so like it's it's so like i was reading this i was talking about this book when i was in previews with issue one and so now it's been in in, in his mind so he's like oh yeah i'll make sure i gotta make sure i get a couple of specs to have on the shelf for people uh you know and so don't forget so don't forget the absolutely killer cover by the one and only chris um it's it's such an arresting cover that uh it, i i just it'll it'll pop off the shelf and anybody who's familiar with boom i think will give it a shot and enjoy it i mean it's a it's a different type of story but i think it's i it's 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 my personally best reviewed book i've ever mm-hmm. i've ever been a part of and it makes me really proud to say that because it was probably the one that yeah i i've just poured all my heart and soul into this book and to have people connect with it and stop me and say, oh, specs, you know, it's really, it's, it's really wonderful. So um, I think, I think folks will really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually, go ahead. Uh, I was looking something up. I don't know. Did they change the date on it? Could be the 22nd. 22nd Tw- is where it's in bookstores at least, but. Um, 23rd. Say, yeah. I don't know where it, it's not showing the specs trade paperback on previews world which is not always right it says september 30th that's not september correct. 20th lunar distribution no you're not with lunar it's with uh previous world hmm. that's weird i don't know but it's oh it's, september uh, 20th is oa which i don't know what that that means original art maybe but if you scroll down it does say august 16th is okay, the release date of the trade Okay, so August sixteenth is it? This will drop on August sixteenth as well, I believe. Um, but yes, yes, the paperback has the wrong cover on on Amazon too. But whatever, that's always the way it is. Which cover? <laughs> it has the cover for issue one. Mm. Which is pretty cool, Skylar Patrick. It's a great cover. I, all the covers have been great. Uh, all David the artwork's Tulaski. been great. Yeah, they've been a beautiful, beautiful books. And, and then of course, yeah, my favorite. <laughs> this is Chris's cover yeah that's the only cover I did for the single issues I was too busy and I I was sad about it because I I love doing covers but I really loved Skylar Skylar's work 
um, mm -hmm. on the covers. And I think that that she and I do uh, a lot of similar things, a lot of similar tastes. So um, I was really enjoying her her covers, but I was really glad I, I had to, I was begging to do the trade paperback cover. I really wanted to do it. And I'm, I'm glad I was able to. I'm looking forward to that too. And I'm, I'm one of the big things that I've always had this, as I'm an artist as well, and I, I, I am more of a graphic artist, but like I, I see a trade on the shelf and they picked a random issue from the series, like the five issue series, and they mm -hmm. use that cover. And it's like if you picked, if you put all five issues up on a wall and pick the worst cover out of all the five issues, that's the cover you they usually use, which is weird. I like mm -hmm. the idea of it being a unique in, in, in standalone. Uh, cover for a trade it takes you know i do like the idea of having an issue one but i also like the idea of having an additional thing for someone like myself who collects floppies and and is very rarely buying a trade is that now makes me want that you know what i mean like now i want that additional yeah. now i have an additional cover right that's the only place entire... it exists <laughs> yes so it's, and it's it also cool makes message. it also makes that that a cover uh, you know uh, on the floppies I, you know i i sort of exist in that world too of of you know collecting collecting mm -hmm. and, and it's quote unquote speculating but um uh it makes this this a cover kind of unique so mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. that you now you want to go pick up the a cover if you have the trade and you really liked it but you want this cool sort of they live tribute cover to it mm -hmm. which is really fantastic um i think it actually boosts the popularity mm -hmm. of this issue um which is completely sold out just FYI. Yeah. Families keep a track. Who's yeah. keeping track? Who's keeping score? I'm not. No, 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 no. <laughs> the funny thing is, so I have on my studio space here, my office space, up on the top, you can't see behind me, but there's a whole row that goes across the whole thing. And they're all comic books that are signed by guests who have been on the podcast. And you were obviously, David, thank, thank you for signing one and sending it back to me. But uh, there's up there, it's by specs number one. And so when I was like, oh, I want to throw a specs comic book behind me, I'm like, I got to get up on a ladder to get it. So I'm like, I'll just put specs. Oh my God. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm not taking that down for the for the for the backdrop drop backdrop here, but um I do have my specs number one nine point eight up it's off screen, but it's okay. up there on the top. You got it because I had to get that. Um yeah, I actually bought it off the secondary market instead of oh. sending my own. So I picked it up. Uh I I have so I, I have so much faith in this story belief that this story is going to find its way beyond even comics not right now because the strikes and everything oh, yeah. is awful um but eventually i think it's going to find its way and that's the so i'm investing in our story this is, yeah now. i love it I, there's so many things that like ones that i'm happy like this you obviously both you two would obviously be happy to if this is what it lived and this is how it lived and so on and so forth there's no more than this but like I always like love the idea. This is one of those ones I could see going. Like I love the idea of it being a comic book and only a comic book, but I would absolutely love to see it be something else as well. <laughs> so that would be amazing as well. But like, and I would love to see other iterations. Like I mentioned, the glasses are so there's such a story behind these glasses, and there's so much more to these glasses that you could tell stories about individual people and different yeah. lifestyles and different you know times in 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 age and all that stuff. Uh, with these glasses being the, you know, catapult. The to magnification that. Yeah. on the, the I, do, I do have an idea for a sequel. I haven't even told Chris this, but um, set during the 1950s and the main character is uh, uh, like a 20-something girl who just maybe is neurodiverse or something, but he's committed to a men mental hospital um, mm. for because people don't understand what the problem is. And yeah. she gets the glasses in there and they wreak havoc. And the opening scene is her walking away from the asylum when it's engulfed in flames. <laughs> and then we go back to see how it got to that point. Yeah. She burns the place down. Yeah, or does know. she? Who knows? Mm, who knows? Could exactly. be just a sunbeam through the lenses of those glasses. We don't know. If we could put more skeletons in it, I want to do it. <laughs> oh my God. It would be nothing but skeletons. Like every scene. Quiet emotional scenes between skeletons. That's what it's going to be, Chris. I'll draw all the skeletons. And, and that's the I mean, you just mentioned that too. It's like you could use this as a as a, a a launching point to all these different tell different stories about different people in different lifestyles, different uh, you know things that are going on in people's life. You know and how I mean this is a, a story of uh, you know 
queer characters. Like how important was it to have that as the, as the backdrop for this or the, the main part of the story? I mean, it's the, it's the, it's the keystone for mm-hmm. the whole story. This is the, yeah. sto- this is the story of Kenny and Ted mm-hmm. and Kenny's, you know, hasn't come out yet and he's in love with his best friend and Ted's struggling to fit into a town when he looks different from everybody else. That's the, that's the key to the story. So it would not exist if it wasn't a queer story. And it I don't, I, it's so funny because I don't even think it's a queer story, like plot line. It's yes. about a pair of magic glasses, right? Mm. But it wouldn't exist if it didn't have, if it wasn't a queer story, if that makes any sense whatsoever. It's not a coming out story. It's not a bullying story per se, even though there's a bully in it mm-hmm. and stuff happens to the bully. But it's really... Um, it, it wouldn't be what it is if we didn't, if it wasn't a queer story. And um, I think Chris, you probably agree with that. Mm, yeah. I, I, uh, I don't know if I would have uh, said yes to it. I mean, I might've, cause I wanted to work with you anyway, but I think that was the big sell for me is, is a uh, queer story. Um, because I could tell spooky stories all day, but, but having, queer representation in a way that's that is it's not it's not the main thing of the story but for me it is and for for queer people reading it they might latch on to the queer element more so than the other stuff but I feel like it's also not so not so filled with with uh with because it's not a coming out story and it's mm-hmm. not any of that, that I think all people who are not queer can, can connect to the story and the characters. I think it just has that, that perfect balance. And, um, and without that, it would just be just something that that's not as special or important. I think. The interns are getting rowdy back there, Chris. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, There's five it, dogs here right now. Oh, oh my god, I have four here. <laughs> I have. I'm just trying not to move too suddenly because they're all going to go crazy. Um, <laughs> the, we got the, plenty. The, we got plenty. The the, the, the... <laughs> I feel like it's funny too because I feel like a lot of non-queer people just think that queer stories are about coming out. Like there's this yeah. weird thought process that like if you're telling a queer story, it's because this person's coming out. But like the some of these amazing stories over the past couple of years I've had, it's just like okay, the character in the comic book is queer. Because guess what? We have queer people all around us. Like, mm-hmm. all of us live in this. Like, just because I'm not doesn't mean that I can't read stories about that. And that's the biggest thing I think about this, is that this is a this is a book for everyone. But you also yeah. gave it to the ability of uh, whether you look different or you feel different or anything like that, you can read this, as well as someone who feels like they don't feel different than anybody else. Like, it, it's mm-hmm. it's everything is, this is a book for everybody, but it has this, this amazing part of comic books nowadays, which is it has, you know, you know, when, when Miles Morales was created, it was this whole thing. The whole big part of it was, and when the movies had Miles Morales and it was like, Oh my gosh, it's an entire different people of generation of people who now could see this is my Miles Morales. This is my Spider-Man. This is what this person looks like. And I feel like now we're getting this point even more in comic books, whereas, you know, younger queer people who don't know, uh, you know how to navigate things, or so on and so forth. Can read these books and feel like, oh, there's another person like me in this book, and I love that now, yeah. and I'm so happy for that. Yeah, my yeah, so- favorite, my favorite queer stories are ones where they pe- queer people just exist because that's the world. They're just there because they should be, and they always mm-hmm. have been. Mm-hmm. But now we know we're not pretending that they're not there. As exactly. <laughs> I, I was in as much. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, so people uh, still are. So I, I don't want like, yeah. to like, just tell you that I know no, you probably I, know that. I but... mean, <laughs> those of us who have a brain. Yes. <laughs> so I was on a panel at uh, San Diego Comic-Con this year that was about um, when superheroes look like me. Mm. And one of the things we talked about is uh, for so long, superheroes have sort of looked like a, a single sort of arch- archetype the same characteristics white man this you know straight man male mm-hmm. and one of the things we talked about is if you are a kid who doesn't share those characteristics and you're and this is supposed to be your aspirational character you feel like a failure because mm-hmm. you will never be able to live up uh, up to that 
standard that society is telling you that's the standard and you're never going to make it if you're black or gay or a woman or if you don't share those characteristics so i like to see that changing and then i i get i've gotten this question multiple times it really amuses me um folks say oh is this this specs specs must be based on your personal experience in high school right must have been in love with your best friend in high school, right? <laughs> I'm like, actually, but you should say no. The specs part is real. Like that was actually part of my high school. No, the other part of the I wish granting, which wish granting glasses in high school. Are you kidding? Um, no, but they asked me that, and I and it's and it's so I, I just have to to uh, giggle a little bit because I tell them no. You know this this isn't a story that is personally happened to me but what i think it does is it shows how authentic feeling the story is and i don't i and me being part of the queer community chris being part of the queer community and telling this story gives it a level of authenticity that convinces people Mm -hmm. reading it that this must have like at least the emotional part must have happened to somebody telling the story because it feels so real and so and I and it's just me projecting my what my experience has been mm-hmm. into these characters in this situation. Say this is how I would have almost certainly would have approached this. This is how I would have felt. Um, so again, it's about telling queer stories and just being authentic. Just being authentic about the stories that we want to tell. Mm-hmm. I like that word, authentic. It's it's perfect for this, honestly, because it's it's yeah. And I we, we read recently read Wind for uh, our our book club at the comic book store. And we felt the same way with, with with James's work on that, and the same idea of like it's a story about wind being wind is queer, but like doesn't mean that it's about wind being queer. <laughs> yeah, like it's just it is what it is. It's about wind life. Yes, I love that. I love all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I just That's watched awesome. uh, last night. I watched that movie um, Nimona on Netflix. Uh-huh. It's a queer story like that where where it's not about being queer but it's filled with queerness and it but it's it's uh i don't even know how to explain it i think it's a perfect movie if you haven't seen it you should watch it it's based on a comic book it's based on a comic book and it's a very non-binary experience very queer it's it's so good so good watch it I'll have to watch Good. it. I didn't know. Yeah, I just, just excuse me, Googled it. And I'm adding it to my thing here. I, yeah, yeah. Noel, Noel Stevenson. Promoted and I believe, I believe, Nimona was Noel's uh, uh, like major project when they were going to um, college for okay. art. That then got set up with a major publisher. That then got picked up by a production company and then made the movie that is now on Netflix. So yeah. Um, and they it's they, such a uh, wonderful backstory they also um were like a showrunner for she-ra okay noel stevenson um so I, I you just i mean it's good the movie is so good i need to read the comic i haven't read it but i i want it i want sure. to get it but that right there you mentioning that chris is one of my favorite things recently about optioned or books that have become movies is the opposite side of that it's the people who see the movie or tv show and now i mean i was that way with i, I was late to the comic book game as well for most people i skipped out and didn't read why the last man and and why the last man was that don't, one for me don't say you were late i used to say i was late to comics and i tell this story all the time because it's not it's not fair to you. It's yes, not fair to you right. because it suggests there's some good there's some right time to come to comics. And if you've missed that boat, then somehow you're late to it. And yeah. I don't I don't believe that at all. I, so I don't you came later it in life. You came yes, later in life to comics. That makes sense to you, but I guess my point would be my, 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 the, the, what I should reiterate is the fact that because I'm coming quote unquote late to, to comics is that you miss a bunch of comics and there's so much good comics now that it's like it's hard to catch up in that sense. Yeah. So like going back and reading some comic books that you really should be reading as a comic book fan just because of the historical aspect of it or the you know importance of them is hard. Mm-hmm. And, but when I read, I, I had uh, Eliza Clark on, who was the showrunner for Why the Last Man on Hulu. And when I, when we were talking about that, the very beginning, I read like the first couple issues, and it forced me—not forced me, I'd say like forced me to—but like it made you're me. So, re- you're so re- mean to yourself. 
<laughs> made me read the entire series. Even I put apart, put aside anything else that I was supposed to be reading at the time or wanted to read at the time and just read that because I was like, okay, first of all, I really feel like I need to read this. The show's on TV, so on and so forth. And it's a very important comic book in my opinion. And so it was cool to see the TV show get me to read the comic book. And I think that's one of the cool things about things that are adapted into a bigger uh, medium or a different medium, I should say, is the is the cool part about going back, going to the store, and making sure that if something is coming out, like if this, you know, Nimono is coming out on Netflix, that local comic book shops, if it is available, should be carrying these trades and these comics as possible because of the fact that someone is going to walk through that door and say, do you have this? I mean, I was standing in the comic book store when some little, I say little, like some 12-year-old girl came in and asked the local comic book shop owner if there, she had She-Hulk in stock mm. because the She-Hulk TV show. And, you know, Marvel's great at that, by the way. I'm shaking my head to people who are listening. <laughs> Their trade game was very off I mean, at that point because there was not a single trade for She-Hulk on the market at the time that She-Hulk was on TV. And, <laughs> and you know, but like I said, I love that opposite side of it. Like, it's great to, to have that speculation market we've talked about earlier about having something that potentially could come something more. But it's really cool to see the opposite and go back and get the trade because you saw a TV show or something on that. So I'm can now going to read Nimona. Can you imagine if at the end of Nimona... On Netflix, there was a way that you could just click your remote mm-hmm. and you could order a copy of the comic book from a local shop, not Amazon, but some, some you know, some indie mm-hmm. bookstore that does like online or something or order yeah. from the publisher. Can you imagine at the end, you could just click that and then they would bring, but you know, these corporate, these corporate. Well, Mark Miller's comic books would be the first ones, wouldn't they? Because Mark has that deal with Netflix as it is. So, like, yeah, that's even even Mark's comic books in the stores now. When you open the page, it says a big Netflix logo on it. So that yeah. would be the first. Yeah, <laughs> but they still don't integrate it. it. No, they don't. They yeah, no, that it needs to be better. I feel yeah. like that's what where like manga and anime are doing better than Western comics. Yes, is they don't necessarily have an integration built in, but it's so built into culture. That if you see an anime that you like, you know there's a manga already mm-hmm. most of the time. And you can just go get it. And it's easy to know where to start. You start at one and you mm-hmm. go. It's easy. To don't have, volume 27. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, easy but, to start. It's not easy to continue. <laughs> yeah, but but it's but it's it's harder. Like if you're like, oh, She-Hulk. So I'm going to go yeah. find out what She-Hulk has. And exactly. You don't even. You, it's not there. I, it's intimidating. Yeah. There's nowhere mm-hmm. to start. No. There if it's even there's, on the shelf. There's a current series that's actually pretty good. But um, yes, yeah, so you're right about that. And the, the, the anime part of it, I just haven't been able to get into anime as much. But that's just, I guess that's personal. Again, there's finding time. Yeah. There's too much they, stuff to watch. There's too much stuff to read. Oh, yeah. It's all that stuff. So, you know, you two okay. should feel honored that I took time to read Specs. No, I'm kidding. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not only did you take the time to read it, but then you requested more material. Yes, exactly. Wow the uh it, it's funny and i was just about so before i forget i have in my notes here before we're gonna finish up here pretty soon but like before i forget i wanted to mention on like the second or third page of the book they make a joke about batman and is this a like, i'm not a dc fan at all so this actually this made me extremely happy to read this batman joke about covering half batman's face and I laughed so hard, and i like when I read it again, I was like, <laughs> I just wanted I wanted more Batman jokes in. <laughs> There's so much to talk about with that particular <laughs> moment. It's in my brain forever and ever. I'm gonna be a hundred years old, and I'm still gonna ask the question, why yes, nobody recognizes Superman mm-hmm. and Clark Kent. and I and I know there is a long in-depth conversation to be had about persona and presentation and you know transformation and all those things which can justify that but i wanted to take this moment in this book to poke a little fun at the idea that in 1939 38 when action comics came out a dude with glasses takes his glasses off and nobody knows who he is so um I just thought it was funny, <laughs> and I know, and I hope that nobody hates me for that. But I just thought it was. It, it this me. conversation yeah, it's true. I mean, it's because it's not only recognizing who the person is. But we, my, I used to have a co-host when I first launched the podcast a couple of years ago, and we had talked about doing an entire episode of just like how to kill superheroes. 
Like the idea that like all, most of them, like if you just like, how come Joker hasn't just shot Batman in the face? Like just shoot him in the chin and he's going to die. You're just done. You're done. It's over. <laughs> you don't need to worry about it anymore. And things like that. Like it was just kind of funny. And then I read that and I was like, oh my God, that's so funny. I actually <laughs> sent it to him. I sent a little picture. I took a picture to him. I sent it to him. I said, hey, you got to read, you got to read uh, Specs now because of this one joke in, in here about <laughs> Batman. Joke. I mean, and it's just teenagers. And yes. that's exactly the kind of thing that I think these teens would just talk about. Mm-hmm. And it's what we comic book fans said. Like I, I love when I walk into the comic book store on a Wednesday and people are having the most ridiculous conversation, like it's real life political talk or something like that about why Joker hasn't done this and all that stuff. And I'm like, this is like yeah. one of the very few places in the entire world where you're okay to having this conversation here and people aren't going to make fun of you. <laughs> yeah. But who would win? We'll still in make a fight? fun of you. Yes. Oh, but it's all. But, yeah. <laughs> we'll still make um, fun of you. It's just a safer space. It's safer a safer space. space. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I did that once on accident as I finished up here. I was like this person at the poll list. I was helping the owner pull some comic books and they literally pull only thing, anything that has to do with Spider-Man, but just like any connected to Spider-Man, they buy Spider-Man, Miles Morales, Spider-Man, whatever it is. And then one week it was this weird, obscure Spider-Man, whatever it was. And I was just like, oh, who would pull this as they walk in the door? And I was like, oh, I got to shut up about making fun of someone else's polis. But I'm like, people aren't judging me for my polis. I'm not, I should not be judging someone else for their polis. They like what they like, and that's fine. <laughs> I'm going to move I on. would be, you would, you <laughs> would shred me because my polis, I mean, I like my, my jam is like late 80s, early 90s, like TV and movie tie in comics. So like the Care Bears that Marvel Star Comics did in the 80s and freaking, Mad balls and my pet monster and all that those nonsense things. That's that's so I'd be pulling like my little pony from IDW or whatever. Again, I'm I'm done judging people for their pull. <laughs> Someone probably judged me for pulling specs. No, I'm kidding. Um, but I you know, as we finish up here, you guys obviously both have other projects as well. So specs is available on August 16th at your local comic book shop, August 22nd at bookstores everywhere. Uh, be sure to let them know. Even if you're hearing this today and you go to your local comic book store and they don't have any, they can get it. So just tell them you want one. Don't just look at the store. Oh, it's sold out. Say it to the LCS owner that you want one because they'll be able to get one in. And it usually takes a week or two. So it's not like you're waiting a long period of time. Buy local if you can, but I also mentioned to people every single time they're on here, I'm like, but buy it. Like, yeah. if you can buy it, wherever you can buy it, like try to buy local, but if it's the only place you can buy it is online in a bigger store, still buy it because that shows Boom and and all the other publishers out there that that the book is worth investing more time and energy and money into. So buy it, period, but try buy local if you can. Yes. Uh, that's that, that's my little pitch there. But um, uh, I was mentioning quickly... Uh, uh, to uh to david before you got on here chris that uh we're actually i work for a brewery and we're doing a collaboration beer with daniel kraus uh for his hmm. book coming up whale fall and so part of this is a uh, daniel's coming up here at the end of august to sign autographs uh, in here in maine and stuff like that for whale fall but i kind of like tricked him into coming to the lcs as well and so he'll be signing some uh the autonomous over there as well we found cool. a bunch uh, uh, you know, random issues in the back issues and stuff like that. So we're going to pull those out as well. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I, I literally was like, had like a brain fart and was like, I know that name. How do I, how do I know that name? And I was like, I've read the book before, but I just, it just didn't even phase me at the time. And I'm like, yeah. no wonder I really, David mentioned this. I don't wonder I really liked the book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, Daniel's the great writer was, and you're a great artist. His, so. his first comic. Mm -hmm. It's great. Everybody should read it. It's yeah. amazing. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty funny. I thought that was awesome little connection there. And obviously, Killer Queens 2 is coming, right? Killer yeah. Queens 2, baby. It's actually going to be out by the time this drops. It will have been a one week out on the market. Nice. And nice. I, I should say the Eisner-nominated Killer Queens is returning with the sequel. Oh, I, yeah, congratulations, go. too, because Rain was pick. nominated, too, right? Yeah, so Rain and Killer Queens are both nominated this year. Yeah. Um, and I definitely wore a pink vel crushed velvet uh, tux to the Eisner Awards at San Diego Comic-Con because that's how you need to do these things. Yeah, I <laughs> in saw, my opinion. saw the pictures. It's awesome. Looks good, right? My yeah, husband had on it. Yes. Cranberry crushed velvet. And we just had like, these pocket squares. And we were just, we were, we didn't, I didn't take home any trophies. But man, I felt like such a winner in that jacket. <laughs> I would just... You took I recommend home, it to anyone. You took the only only trophy you need, right? 
my my arm kit, my husband, yes. my arm kit. Yeah, I'm candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You gonna you gonna yell at me if I think he's he he looked better than you? Or is that or is that okay? Or... Oh my god, this podcast is over. over. Uh and, and obviously <laughs> you get more coming for Canto I, at some point. I mean I guess there's this Yeah, so we uh, uh are no longer with IDW <laughs> and we have announced that we have um uh, signed a new deal with a new publisher. We haven't announced the publisher yet. Um, but we are renewed to finish the quote-unquote Shrouded Man saga and potentially move on from there and get um, these beautiful uh, new hardcover reprints of everything. So they'll be library-ready, school-ready, plus shelf-ready for everyone who is uh, a Canto fan or has, hasn't even read it yet. So Killer Queens and Canto are coming down the pike, and I'm currently writing... Um, there's a one shot for Dungeons and Dragons Saturday Morning Adventures with IDW that's coming out, and it's uh, an issue that is one of my favorite that I've that I've ever uh, gotten the chance to work on. It's such a fun little story, full single story, single issue one shot that's coming out uh, in one week from when this podcast airs, I think, or that. two weeks. So there August. you go. What else is coming down the pike for you, Chris, or or currently? Uh the final issue of uh, Nightfall Double Feature is yes. coming, and I have an unannounced thing, and I don't even know if I could say with who yet. I don't really know if I could say That's anything fine. at yeah. all. But don't it's don't, it. don't don't. Yes. Say I usually it. say don't say it. The other person on the podcast usually says say it. No, don't say it. By the time this just... comes out, I might be able to say, but I don't. I still don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But I've already done. I've, I've, I'm done with the first issue and the cover and everything, so I'm sure they'll announce it soon-ish. I don't know. We'll see. Something's coming. That's above awesome. our pay grade. <laughs> I, it's funny because I was on a podcast with uh, um, uh, Dan Panosian, and I was saying something about how, like, oh, yeah, and you got Alice Never After coming. Like, Boom, this is great. He goes, that's been announced? I'm like, yeah, like two days ago. The, I got it from a PR email from, from Boom Studio. I, it's coming. He's oh, I didn't know that. And he's like, I don't want to say anything. And he, he's like literally Googling it, make sure that he can say something about it. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, but I'm baiting you into saying something that you shouldn't be saying right now. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I just, uh, I from, from I don't know. I think we, we all put an outsized importance on all of those things. So <laughs> I don't think we ever get in trouble. No. But, but I don't, don't say anything, Chris. This is not I'm us. just trying to get you to admit it, Chris. <laughs> this I'm is not us peer pressuring it. you over here <laughs> at all. But uh, yeah, secret. so exactly. But yeah, so Specs is a great, great book out there uh, for uh, really fans of a bunch of different things. Horror, again, the queer aspect of it, the, uh, you know, friendship, 80s. What I mean, Stephen I mean, King. Stephen King. Uh, Stranger you go. Things. Stand yeah. By Me. All of those Fear Street. Goosebumps, Fear Street, all of those spooky coming of age, uh, eerie kind of uh, that that kind of feel to it. If you're you like into any of those posters, things. I drew a lot of movie posters in the background. 80s references. Easter eggs, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I put in there's the Delo- Back King. to the Future DeLorean is in there. Uh, there's books, a Nintendo. Stephen King book. Yeah, Nintendo VCR. <laughs> VCR, you giggle as I look at my entire VHS collection. In front I know. Of me. I I started I buying uh, cassette tapes. Oh, good for you. <laughs> this just what? came in today because I can't. That's cool. I can't. I don't know whether when the news actually. I do artwork for the local comic conventions here. I do like their announcement posts and things like that, and. There's a connection to that. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm probably gonna get my ass handed to me because of that. It's possible it could be announced between now and then too. I don't know of this book. And a lot of times I like to, or this, I'm sorry, this movie. A lot of times I'd like to get those. It's what I get signed at conventions. Is usually via. If it's not on a VHS tape, I don't care. If it's on a VHS tape, that's what I have. So I have like I have uh, extremely goofy movie because I met Goofy right, obviously whatever. And then Wild Thornberries is signed by Danielle Harris, who is also in Halloween and all these people getting horror things done. And I'm walking over there getting a Wild yeah. Thornberries clamshell VHS tape. Oh, she's like, you're she literally the only it. person at this convention love getting it. this signed. I'm like, of course I am. She, <laughs> she was in uh, Mean Girls too, right? Yep. yep. And then she, uh, <laughs> I got uh, like Jim Winburn, who did stunts on Escape from New York. Got Escape from New York VHS, Scream. All this, this was cool. So like, I like to do that. I like to collect this. They're uh, cooler. That. So this VHS in, tapes yeah. look better on the shelf. Yeah, they do. They look but, like paperback novels. 
I believe your book is also available if anybody wants to through Omnibus, the app, the new uh, digital platform as oh, well. Cool. So if you want to read it now, I believe you can at least get a couple issues on there. Uh, they were on at one point to talk about that too. So I'd love to give them a shout out. But otherwise, August 16th is the day that the trade drops. And if you're a local or a local bookstore kind of person, August 22nd, uh, the way the market works, that's how that works. Otherwise, I really appreciate you two both taking the time to come on here and chat your books and so on and so forth. You guys are both on social media, uh, Instagram, you know, X, whatever the hell you want to call uh, it now. <laughs> it's Twitter. Threads, uh, Blue Sky. Blue Sky. Blue um, Sky, yeah. Threads, Instagram. Live the, Journal. The, the app MySpace. formerly known as Twitter. <laughs> MySpace. Whatever. It's and actually sound... whatnot. I want to mention whatnot. Yes, whatnot. I stream yeah, a yeah. lot on whatnot. And if you want to get any signed copies, I actually have a show on August 16th, the day that this oh. drops, to yep. offer up copies, signed copies of the Specs trade paperback. So that's where we are. Nice. Awesome. I really, again, I really appreciate both of you taking the time and, and uh, both of you guys both back on whenever you want to talk about whatever you're doing and, uh, you know, and check your email, David, but get back to me on that email we talked about off, off air here. Like, you know, come on. Um, no, take your time. If you didn't get sick at San Diego. That's all I'm glad about. I've seen too many sick San Diego people, San Diego Comic Con uh, people. It's too, it honestly like... got me nervous. It was the weirdest thing. I was, I live in Maine. Like the farthest part away from San Diego as possible. <laughs> and I looked at these pictures of people. I'm like, did I run into them recently? I'm like, I haven't run into any of these people recently except for digitally. So like, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, of course I see all the posts and I'm like, well, I saw, I talked face to face with that person on Thursday yeah. night. And I saw this person on Saturday. And, but like a great, like, like a great scene from Mission Impossible with all the security lasers. I got through without tripping the alarm so that's where we are but obviously people get sick and everything i also selfishly was like i hope you didn't get sick because i want you to be able to record (laughs) (laughs) not because i want you to be healthy or anything like that but i just i was selfishly wanting you to be here but i know i see you justin i see you (laughs) i really appreciate it again uh thank you so much uh everybody out there follow them all on social media so you can know that those current things but buy specs it is wonderful. And then buy anything else with the two of these people's names on it because they're all wonderful. So uh, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Thank yeah, you. Thank, thank you. you.